Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. So warm-ups and cool-downs, of course, are a very important component of what we do at the gym. Another very important component or piece of equipment that we use at the gym is what we have on our feet. And it just drives me kind of crazy sometimes seeing all of the shoes that are created and manufactured to do things for our feet. Elevate the heel, put arch support in there, give our feet some really rigid lever to use. Our foot is built to do all these things on its own. Our foot is supposed to be able to act like a really rigid lever to jump off and and do explosive exercises on, but it's also supposed to be able to be a springy device and cushion as we come down into the ground. If your foot doesn't feel comfortable doing these things, the last thing that we want to do is put them into these shoes that does everything for them our whole lives. We will never learn how to do that ourselves if we continue to build up this underfoot technology. So really what we want to recommend that you do is go get yourself a pair of Vivo barefoot shoes. They're thin, they're flexible, they're flat, so that it forces our foot to do all these things for us. It's not going to happen right away, but I promise you after six months, a year, two years of wearing Vivo barefoot shoes, my feet have significantly changed. Maybe not in the way they look, but the way that they operate, the way that they feel, how I can get deeper in squats, how my ankles and feet work better for me when I do things that previously my feet definitely couldn't do. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can get 15% off a pair of Vivo Barefoots using code TOB15. Vivo also lets you have a 100-day risk-free trial where if you use their shoes for 100 days and aren't completely satisfied, you can send them on back. Also, Vivo is just amazing at partnering with different organizations and doing things for the environment so that they are net neutral and don't create any additional waste that goes into our landfills or goes into our oceans or around the earth. So try Vivo out. We love them. We use them. It's all that we put on our feet. There's been a code change. Use code optimal now at checkout to get that 15% off. The code is optimal. All right, getting into another pearl on warmups and cooldowns. And when should you warm up? What is a good warmup to do? What's the benefit of cooldowns? I know that everyone gets done with their workout and wants to just run out of the gym and get on to the rest of their lives. And should we be cooling down? If so, what should we do? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a huge one, especially with warmups. I feel like over time, there's been so many different types that have become popular you know it's kind of like the cross the arm body like this is still what i think of like from elementary school put your arm behind the head um, cross <laughs> maybe the body. do some windmills um pull, on the ground your to your butt yeah so and and then you're good to go or others that i know you know have become popular it's like oh uh, jump rope or do jump some rope. jumpy jacks or grab and do like leg swings yeah against, like do leg swings butt kicks high knees And then we're good. Yeah. Or whatever it might be. Yeah. So when are specific warmups good? When are warmups important? I think that's an important one as well, because a lot of people, like you were saying with cool downs, oh, I finished my workout and I'm going to go. Well, that's the same as warmups. I don't have time for a whole 30 minute warmup. So I'm just going to go right into my thing. Or maybe even five minutes is something that people just want to bypass. I'm fine. I'm good. Let me just go into which... 
let me be clear, I've been guilty of as well. Oh, I think that <laughs> both of us are. We both are people who probably have thought, especially like when I was younger, I mean, I'm still relatively young, but it's like you just want to jump into the movement or the yeah. workout and you don't want to take the time to do the warm up or the cool down. And so I think there was one word you said when you were talking just now, you said specific. When is it good to do a more specific warm up? And I think you just said it because that's kind of normally how your mind thinks is you should always be trying to think specific to what the workout is, what my goal is mm -hmm. in this movement session, this exercise session, what is it that I'm doing? Am I going for a bike, for a run, heavy lifting? Hit workout. Hit workout. And how can I then tailor both the warm up and the cool down to be a little more specific to that? Yeah. And that is the ultimate key. Like if you're going to get anything out of this podcast is that a generalized workout for all movement across the board is not really going to be as effective as doing a specific warm up for the movement that you're going to be intended to do. So that is, I hope, what you across the board get out of this. Now, there is a protocol that we found that we really like <laughs> as we yeah. were kind of going through some of the research. It's called the RAMP protocol. R-A-M-P. And we'll just break this down really generally so that you can kind of understand, oh, this is what a warm up really kind of entails, R being rise. Yeah. And rise or raise is going to initially get that physiologic system going. It's going to elevate your heart rate a little bit, get the blood pumping throughout the system, like start to activate those muscles, just move all the junk around. Right. And that's kind of that general portion of the warm up that is good to include, and when we kind of dice into the research a little more, it always says, if you do movements that are more specific to the exercise that you're going to be doing, that's better than some sort of general warm-up like jumping jacks. Like mm -hmm. you said earlier, oh, I'm just going to do jumping jacks, butt kicks, you know, arm cross, you know, stretch or whatever, and I'm good. Like that's more of just general movements that are going to help rise the system. Mm -hmm. So that could be good as long as you follow it up with something more specific, which is the next part of the RISE protocol or RAMP protocol. The sorry. RAMP protocol. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I even remember in like physical therapy office, you know, oh, tell your patient to go on the bike for five minutes, then we'll get into the workout or the movements that are for physical therapy. And it's just kind of, so it, it's still part of that first part of the protocol, but then we don't touch on the other part, which the second part, the A being activation, mm -hmm. right? So we're talking, okay, how do I start to address and prime the muscles that are gonna be used for the movements that I'm going to do? So if mm -hmm. I'm doing running, I don't really need to do cross body stretches in my upper, in my upper arms or anything, you know, that, isn't unless I'm running with my arms across my body <laughs> like Phoebe and friends you know <laughs> you're not really <laughs> of course always you're not really going to need that so that's not specific at all to activate the muscles around that the body but just talking about cross body stuff when we run we are always activating opposite arm with opposite leg going forward so if you're doing some sort of core activation where you're pressing through one arm while you bring your left leg forward, like even standing on one leg, bringing your opposite leg into a 90 degree and then pressing forward against some sort of band or something, that's going to get that core activating mm -hmm. the A in ramp. So you're getting ready to activate that core with the cross movement of running. And then M, we move into mobility or mobilize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that, again, if we're talking mobility, we're not talking stretching. And I think that's what's most not important. Not talking just passive stretching. Exactly. 
mobility is the active portion of taking your body through a range of motion. Yeah. Which can be similar to activation, which can be similar to a body weight movement that you're going to be performing, right? That mm-hmm. is mobility. So say I'm going to go into squats. Well, what is the mobility that is needed for squats? My hips need to be open. My ankles need to be open. So maybe I'm going to go into a full body squat, but I'm going to use a pole to hang on to so that I can kind of lean into my ankles and kind of go forward to kind of pull my knees open side to side. And I'm still holding on to something so that I make it a little easier for my body, but I'm dropping into that full mobility that's going to be needed. And I'm priming those areas and those joints to be ready to take on load. Yeah. And that's going to help you both activate and mobilize your hips, your ankles, the actual joints you're using for that body weight squat. And then P is potentiate, which, you know, is a fancy word for just continuing to increase the resistance that you might be using or increase the intensity of that warm up towards whatever the activity is. Again, so going towards squats, that's when maybe you'll add a little bit of weight or maybe you'll grab a little exercise band and add it around the hips while you're doing that deep squat mobility exercise because then you're going to potentiate, you're going to make your hips, those rotators in your hips work a little bit more actively, upping that load to then be a lot more ready for the squat itself. Yeah, exactly. So really, when we're talking about the benefits of, well, why even spend the time doing warm-up? Hopefully, even just through that ramp protocol, you're able to see, okay, well, it kind of makes sense, right? I'm going to naturally start to increase that feedback from my brain into my body, which is known as our neuromuscular control and coordination so that my body has more awareness, knows how to activate, and I'm I'm preparing my body. We can never say that this movement 100% is going to reduce injury. We, we can't say that. Yeah. However, we can say I'm just priming my brain to activate these muscles to open up this range of motion, send some fluid and awareness into this area so that it is at least awake and doesn't get surprised when I suddenly put a load on my back and then do a heavy squat. <laughs> yeah, those are always touchy subjects like is doing a certain warm up going to help prevent injury or is mm-hmm. doing a certain cool down going to help, you know, reduce the amount of soreness that we have, you know, actually we're coming out with a podcast soon on yeah. <laughs> reducing <Speaking> soreness. <laughs> um, but if anybody has any studies out there that they know of, they're like, hey, doing this warm up can help, you know, reduce injury or put you at lesser risk of injury. Uh, that'd be great to know because that's yeah. like the million dollar question. But we know that if we increase what those tendons are used to doing prior to going into that exercise and doing higher amounts of load on our knees, on our ankles, on our hips, they might be more prepared to, you know, not get injured or not go over that threshold, you know, if we warm up correctly, especially because doing the warm up again during that rise phase, we're just doing so much things, so many different things to our system, like mm-hmm. increasing our neuromuscular stimulation, increasing the proprioception around our joints, which is just kind of our joints' ability to sense where they're at in space, which is super important. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in general, like our body is filled with fluids. 
-hmm. And it's so incredibly important to start to, that's when we start to feel tight. That's when we, we feel really achy or swollen is when we're not getting those fluids moving. And there's a lot of aspects that obviously go into that sleep, hydration, nutrients that we're getting in our Mm -hmm. body. If we're stressed, you know, all of that does play a role in our fluid movement as well, but also just being able to warm up effectively get that heart rate going and then be able to do the movement specific to what we're going to be doing in the workout is so important. And so some people might be sitting and listening, okay, if I'm running, then Mm -hmm. what are some movements that I can do to really start prepare me for a run then? So this is an instance where to start and rise the system, like what can you do? I mean, you could do a whole bunch of different things. This is where you could just go for a light jog to rise the system for three, four, five minutes, get the heart starting to pump. And then when we go to the activate phase, that might be doing any sort of single leg work, right? Or bounce on the heels, I think you were just (laughs) referring to. Or like just just bouncing in general, like kind of hopping, because then we're getting that shock absorption and the Achilles, we're priming Mm -hmm. the ankles, the feet, the the hips all the way through, you know, to really start to take on that explosive power because that's what running is. Getting ready for that uh, shock absorption and then to activate, doing any sort of single leg activity, I think is great for running because... We spend a lot of time on one leg. Mm-hmm. You're kind of in on one leg almost the whole time if you're actually running and then in flight to the other portion of time. So doing things like a light single leg deadlift of sorts, mm-hmm. that's going to get activate and mobilize as you start going further into that because then you're activating those hamstrings, that core, the glutes through a lot more of the range. Again, getting that kind of cross body activation since you're on one leg. So that would be a great thing to throw in. Yeah, those alone, like if you did those three things, drag, hop, and then single leg deadlifting, you can even use the running arms with it, right? And then you kind of get that, like you were saying, that cross body oblique kind of action happening. And then to potentiate it, if you're just using that one exercise, Mm -hmm. explode out of the single leg deadlift, right? Mm -hmm. So go down, explode up, use speed as that factor of how you make it more intense. Because again, every time you launch yourself while you're running, you're kind of exploding out of that single leg phase. So deadlift, explode up, deadlift, explode up. And then once you start running, your body's going to be like, okay, we've kind of been nudged into this. Right. But like passive stretching for your calves, probably not as effective. But if you're going to do single leg heel raises, maybe that's a Mm -hmm. little bit better, right? Or just single leg hopping. And you could do that with a little deficit, like with your toes up on a plate. Yeah. Because again, when you're running, you're going to push that ankle into a greater range of motion. Mm -hmm. But passively stretching probably isn't going to be the thing because then we're not teaching load in that extreme range. Right. So if you have your toes up on a step or up on a weight or plate or something, and then you work full ankle range of motion doing heel raises, that'd be great. Yeah. And then if we're talking more strength based, obviously, you know, we kind of talked into squats a little bit for talking into deadlifts. Well, we need to get that hinge type motion. Right. So. We could put like, especially if you're looking at toward the end of ramp, potentiate, put a a band around your kind of shoulders, neck area, and you step on it between your feet. You kind of do that hinge motion. You're you're loading the body. What some people might call what a good morning. Oh yeah, good morning. A good morning exercise. Um, No, I think that would be great. And again, you can use that hinge throughout almost this whole thing to to raise the system. I don't know what do you do to raise the system when you're working into deadlifts well you're not necessarily doing anything that's quote cardio based although heavy lifting does get the heart rate going a lot so so what would you recommend someone to initially do to start raising the system up 
Well, I think slowing down the movement is always so important. So say what I like to do, especially before I lift, I always use an empty barbell. Or if I'm going to use um, dumbbells, I'm going to go in that same movement, but go a lot lighter. And it's not about doing a bunch of reps or doing them super fast to start to get that heart rate up, but it's going slower actually helps to, again, we're priming that mobility, we're priming the muscles to start to activate, and we're getting that heart to have to work because even just an isometric hold, which means that your body isn't moving, but it's creating tension within the body, that gets the heart rate going as well. So um, I love to do just barbell squats, uh, you know, a few times, maybe I'm holding at the bottom and I'm opening up my legs if I'm doing squats, barbell deadlift, lighter dumbbell deadlift, all of these kind of things are going to help to prepare the body. And it's not about doing a whole bunch of reps. You actually do fewer reps, you know, <laughs> maybe you're doing six to eight, but you're slowing down the movement. You're feeling it and you're, you're starting to tune into your body. So your body is naturally knowing, oh, this is what I want to activate. This is what I want to feel when I'm actually loading it to my desired weight. Yeah. And that's, you know, in talking about this ramp protocol, they don't necessarily all have their own specific exercise that they're that's going to go with them like what you do to rise your system up could be the same exact thing that you're doing like the hinge exercise you Mm -hmm. could use that for this whole warm-up to get ready for a primarily you know deadlifting based workout but i also don't hate doing something especially if you're doing like heavy leg lifting like doing a light row machine for two minutes if you have something at your disposal or or this is a place you could jump rope, do line hops for just 30 times on each leg or both legs side to side and front to back. That's going to get those hips working. That's going to get all the muscles in your legs working and pumping blood, you know, just a little something to start with. And then you could work into doing those specific hip, movements, you know, more specific movements like hip hinges, loading up the hip hinges steadily, and then jumping into your first set of deadlifts. Exactly. I mean, I love all of that. I will say that sometimes when I don't have like a ton of time and I'm doing a HIIT workout, I will spend the first like round of that HIIT doing no weight. So doing essentially body weight and and using that as my warm up. <laughs> and yeah. I know that. So say I have push ups on the ground. Maybe I'm going to do push ups on an elevated surface. So I'm taking off load. I'm warming up the range. I'm getting into that motion. I'm doing usually it includes some kind of cardio jump or or jump rope or something. So I'm going to use that to get my heart rate up. And I will say, like, I'm not always the person that is the best at following what I know that we, I mean, we both. We, yeah. We're human, right? We're not always doing our mobility. <laughs> we're not always doing the activations we tell everyone to do. So I will say that's an extreme case. Don't try to do that, obviously, but it does work in the same way as long as you're pertinent that you're not or like careful that you're not doing like a heavy set in your hit workout or going extremely hard. You have to then make sure, okay, I'm really going to just baby it this first round and then I'll gradually go into it more and more and then your last round is like your hardest round. Yeah. And I think that kind of keeping the same thread of thought as we go into cool downs, it it doesn't have to be anything insane and crazy. I think the fact that just having that cool down so it's it it exists and you're not just Mm -hmm. skipping it and going from the most intense thing you've done to running out and then sitting and working or being in your car, like having that de-escalation of your physio- like physiology is really important because mm-hmm. our body's working so hard to catch up to all the work we're doing. That's why our heart increases. That's why we start breathing faster. 
you know, our body's trying to work to replace all the oxygen and all the nutrients that we were using during that workout. And if suddenly we just stop, like our body will eventually catch up, but we don't have that kind of de-escalation period. So then our heart rate drops a lot quicker than it probably should. Our heart rate drops probably a lot quicker than it should. And then we might just leave different metabolites and stuff in the muscles, in the muscle groups that we were using. And that might result in increased soreness the next day or a lack of recovery immediately after that workout. A lack of full body recovery. And that's where they're saying, listen, again, this is all stuff that we get to study continuously. And what's hardest about this kind of study is that you're you're going to say, okay, this group of people is going to do the exact same kind of workout every single time. So we know what we're measuring and what kind of warm up, what kind of cool down. You know, it's just I will always say there's flaws in studies because humans are flawed. <laughs> we are flawed humans, right? Yeah. So it is hard to do a perfect study. So we're, I think we're going to continue to study this and hopefully we'll have better answers for you later on that are more specific. But, you know, right now we know that doing an active type cool down. So again, this isn't just, okay, I'm working out now. I'm going to passive stretching. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm going to move my body in a way that is still getting movement, but it's going to help to start to downregulate my system to start getting into, like Dom was saying, lowered heart rate, just preparing my body for that rest and recovery and hopefully helping to depress that like immune response that kind of happens. And so mm-hmm. we're not just like killing that immune system, but we're actually helping to like slowly drop it in. Especially when you're doing something really intense, like that can be a lot of work on the muscles that can cause a lot of this like micro damage. That's that's good because then that's what we want to recover and have our body heal so that we can do slightly more next time. But if we just leave it with that most intense thing being the last thing that we do, then our nervous system kind of takes that as like, this is an assault. And then we need to like bring all the troops in and you might have an increased inflammatory response rather than like Jen's saying, slowly pedaling things down that you start to already flush out some of those metabolites. You're not having as much significant inflammation in those areas and you'll already start that kind of healing process. Kind of going to your hit example, like maybe you just do one more slow round of each of the exercises, but you're going through them a lot slower. You're doing it with a lot more intention of the mobility and the range of motion you're going through. And that would just be a great way to do it with slightly lower intensity. Make sure you're focused on getting full range of motion, continue to pump all of the fluids and everything through all those joints and then be like, okay, great. That was my my cool down. Mm -hmm. If that's all you did, that would be amazing. Well, and one of the things that I even like telling people, members in the optimal body is, you know, if you're going to, if you're looking for some kind of cool down, but you're not quite sure what to do, can you choose one to two of the mobility that you know, like you've been through one of the mobility flows and you're like, ooh, I know that's super sticky. Can I put that at the end of a workout? Also, another thing that I like adding is, can you just do five minutes of core at the end as mm-hmm. well? Because usually core is more lower to the ground. We're already kind of decreasing that intensity of the workout. We're not running and jumping and lifting super heavy usually Mm -hmm. (laughs) when we're doing core, at least when we're thinking of the core and the optimal body, because it's really getting back to that foundation of our our pillar from our pelvic floor to our shoulder blades. So can you do five to 10 minutes of that one to two mobility exercises that are really focused on opening up a specific range that you know you need? One, you're already warmed up. So your body's like good. Right. You're opening up a specific range of motion. You're not just passively resting into it. You can slow down your breath. You can slow down your movement. And you're naturally getting that body to kind of downgrade from that workout. Like that's a great option, I think. And 
something I use often as well. Especially if those mobility at all touch the different areas that you worked Mm -hmm. in the workout, right? It's great if it addresses something that you know that you have a deficiency or a barrier in, but also if it touches something like if you're doing a heavy like shoulders and chest workout and then what you're doing for mobility at the end is like open book, which I also know I need for my upper back. Like that'd be great because it helps me work on something I have restrictions in and it would help address the muscle groups that I kind of worked on while I was doing my exercise. Yeah. So in general, when we're talking about, you know, what are the studies really saying? There's three things specifically that they were saying, you know, especially in terms of warmups is that you want a more structured strategy to your warmup. So getting rid of just those static stretches, those like, yes, still do a generalized something to get the blood pumping and your and your fluids moving, sure, you know, that heart rate up, but then do something a little bit more structured and specific to the workout that you're going to be doing. And active warmups yeah. is, you know, another huge one. I think both the, the last two are kind of active warmups and making sure that it gradually increases to the intensity of that workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're saying... They, they kind of gave a range, right? 10 to 15 minutes for that active workout or warm up and then make sure that you don't have a huge break. Mm-hmm. So don't wait a long time. Oh, I'm going to do an active warm up and then go and then chat on the phone for 30 minutes. Chat with my friend at the gym or something <laughs> yeah. like that. You lose all the benefit from that. Yeah. Maybe chat with your friend while you're doing your exercises. Yeah. That's like one of my biggest things when I see people at the gym and they're like, yeah, I was at the gym for two and a half hours. I'm like, maybe doing doing? work for like 15 or 20 minutes but (laughs) you know that's a whole nother topic yeah so yeah and same with cool downs try to make it a little more active make sure it addresses things that you know you either have deficiencies in or are similar to the exercise you were doing and just try to make sure that you have these plugged in on either end of your workouts i know jen and i get to work on them a little bit more ourselves and that's kind of what we found as we were working through some of the research And last little nugget I'm going to say is we've done podcast episodes on foam rolling and we go over Mm -hmm. specifically when you should foam roll and how you should foam roll. So that's Mm going to go a lot more specific because I know a lot of people like to grab a foam roller either before or after workout. What is more effective? We go over all of that um, and the massage guns. We go over that as well because that is another big thing that people love to use either for a warm up and a cool down. And again, Just go listen to those two podcasts. They're not very long and they'll give you the specifics on those. Thanks for tuning in for yet another PT Pearl. Hopefully you found something valuable. If you've been listening or if you've really been enjoying the podcast, it really helps us out if you go and subscribe on your favorite podcasting channel. And especially if you leave a rating and review, that's just going to help us get this free content that we put together out to so many more people. Also, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Jen and I on Instagram. Ask us questions. Let us know what you want to have in future PT Pearl topics because that's why we put these out for you. And we will see you next time on the Optimal Body Podcast.